Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. He originates from Bulgaria and now runs a very successful product design house in the middle of Hereford. Uh, it seems to be growing at a, a very good rate and um, employing lots of people and doing some incredible work for national brands up and down the country. Uh, he is Christo Shivachev. How are you doing, Christo? Thank you for having me, Dan. I'm good. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Cool. I pronounced your name right there. You did. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> cool. Right. Well, first of all, thanks for coming in and uh, and having a chat and everything. Um, I'm looking forward to finding out more about uh, about your background and what made you get into business and everything. So, um, well, thank you very much for having me. It's no, good to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, I mentioned that you originate from Bulgaria and. I only just found that out a few minutes ago, just to be fully <laughs> transparent with everyone. I knew that you had a slight a slight accent, but uh, I didn't know. So um, tell me, how, how long have you been over here? And um, Oh, gosh, um, I've been here for 17 years now. Oh, right, it actually okay. feels long enough to feel foreign when I go back home, yeah. <laughs> which is a strange <laughs> feeling. But no, this is home now. I love the county, I love the community, and I love life in Herefordshire. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so... You grew up in Bulgaria, is, that, uh, is it Sofia or somewhere? No, it was actually else? a place called Bugas, which is right on oh. the seaside. Um, oh, nice. So I was okay. lucky to, to actually grow up by the beach. Oh, nice, okay. And enjoy the weather, yeah. Okay, you don't miss the beach. Uh, I do, every day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do you? Yeah, yeah do. I think people that uh, seem to grow up near the sea just like need the sea, don't they? They need to be by the sea. Well, it has something for it, uh, something for you every day, regardless of your mood, regardless of the season, regardless of what's going through your mind. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a good place to just go and j- just look at the sea for 15 minutes or just walk by. Right, um, okay, yeah. It's yeah. a special, special thing to grow up with. Just clear the mind a bit, yeah. okay. So what were you into when you were a, a kid? Was it kind of like water sports and that sort of thing related to the sea? Funny enough, I didn't get into water sports too much. Yeah. Actually, it was all to do with other sports. I started with tennis. I did a bit of swimming, but that didn't last very long. But I started swimming when I was four. Um, I started playing tennis when I was five, then went into basketball, okay. and then focused on martial arts, which was right. the one that actually stuck. <laughs> okay. okay. So I did that until I got to 14, 15. Yeah. And then discovered better things to do. So okay, <laughs> all right. And yeah. um, was that a conscious decision to not do water sports, or just didn't didn't appeal to you? I'm just interested because you live by the sea. It's like, no, it's, it's it's just basically I, I did what was fun, and yeah. um, there was no planning, there was no um, big idea behind things. Yeah, my dad was a semi-professional sports person, so he actually oh, right. got me doing stuff from from as soon as I can walk, really. Okay. And right. um, sport was always a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it does things to your mindset, the way you see challenges, the way you respond to uh, different events. So it's kind of a way of life. And at that point, I was just subconsciously just exploring. And I enjoyed individual sports, I enjoyed team sports. And mm-hmm. every one of those offered different dynamics and and a different thing. So I suppose I, I just carried on with, with the separate sports for as long as I enjoyed them and then yeah. tried something else. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. 
And so, so what sports were you, was your dad into? So he was semi-professional. He did a lot. He did tennis. He did uh, chess, which is not okay. really a physical <laughs> sport, but yeah, I suppose it's he did uh, handball <laughs> and table tennis. Okay. And what yeah. was he semi-professional at like all of those? Uh, the chess was the one he got. Oh, really? He got the Grossmaster. Very really? close to getting a Grossmaster, yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. he, he proper knows his stuff. He, he never allowed me to play really? because he made a decision to stop school and just focus on his chest. And he always regretted that decision. Really? So he left college. He didn't go for university. He decided he wants to play chess. Okay. And um, I think the way life developed for him, he, he felt that was a bad decision, even though I think he was very successful with what he does. Right, okay. and everything else but um i wasn't allowed so okay <laughs> there you sorry. go <laughs> i was thinking uh, yeah i wouldn't challenge you to a game of chess but oh you, like you're safe. Be all right. you can yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay interesting so he was doing that as you were growing up um sort of earning earning an income through playing chess for a while he then went into he he was basically managing the port of my city so he did chess as a as a more of a thing that um he did in his free time. He took uh, part in a lot of competitions, but my memory from a kid was, you know, coming home back late and then the living room light would be on and it would be him with his books and just playing against himself, developing different right. uh, different kind of approaches and different tactics. And um, he just, he could not sleep. He would just play chess all the time. Really? It's and he had his full-time job and he, he won some pretty amazing stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. wow, that's, uh, that's incredible. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting game, isn't it? Chess. It's like uh, yeah. it seems to me like you said he, he regretted not going to school, but I I would have thought he probably learnt a lot through. Well, he's a very chess and mastering <laughs> chess. You know? He is a very intelligent person, and yeah. he he loves reading. So his general knowledge and his skill set is is really good. But um, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. He probably felt that something went wrong at some point, and he find it right, the easiest yeah. thing to blame. I think he did quite well in life. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think he's the best dad anyone can ask for, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm not sure where that comes that comes from, but uh, <laughs> I'll certainly ask the question now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't tell him I, uh, I got you on. No, I'll, I'll keep quiet. <laughs> cool. And how about your mum? Was she looking after you full time, or was she working? Or? No, she was working as well. Yeah, um, yeah. She was working in the high court of the city, and she had different jobs. She, she tried running a business, and. Um, she hovered between the different subjects and different professions. Right, okay. Uh, but it was always in um, either in the construction industry or um, I think they were the main ones mm-hmm. uh, where she was, um, she was a PA for the, uh, for the business owner of a big firm. Mm-hmm. And then she moved on to the high court where um, she kind of got into the whole judicial system. Right, okay, okay. So, yeah, uh, it was... Um, it was an interesting time growing up. It was one of these normal times. I grew up in a happy family yeah. uh, with loads of friends and I had a great time growing up. So um, no dramas there yeah, or yeah. big stories to tell, unfortunately. It's, it's a little <laughs> bit vanilla, but uh, No, no, but except that you grew up with uh, your dad as a professional chess player. That's pretty, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. not very ordinary. Is yeah. it? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so it seems, everything seems ordinary when you're growing up, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. If it, if it's, uh, it's your ordinary, isn't it? But uh, Somebody else's unique. <laughs> yep. Cool. Okay. So were you good at school and uh, and things like that? You pro- you know you, you progressed and went on to study. I did. I went to. I graduated um, Technical University Sofia. I mm. basically. It's a funny story, really, because academically I was, I, I suppose, on the bright side. I always had the best grades, but um, my discipline was quite horrible. I was. Um, okay. 
by the time I get through college, I, I was politely asked to leave a couple of schools, <laughs> okay. which was a lot of fun. <laughs> right. But my mum didn't appreciate having to be with the headmaster twice a week. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but then I decided that I didn't know what to do because I, I did management and economics in college. It was a five-year course. Right. And it was the toughest place in my city to get into. Right. And I managed to get into that profile and that speciality and I did the course and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't quite sure that that's what I wanted to do in life. Mm -hmm. So I then decided to take time and work it out and decided to join the Navy for a year. Oh, right, okay. Uh, which was fun. Um, I used to think a lot of military people, I thought they're the smartest people in the world and you had this perception in your mind. And when I turned up, they decided to make me the gunman on the ship. So right. giving me weapons, I knew that was a bad decision. <laughs> I knew I misjudged them. Um, but on the other side, I actually spent a year in the Navy. I very quickly realized that's not for me, that's not what I want to do. Right. Okay. But I had the opportunity to actually take things apart and fix them and you know, repair. Uh, okay. Okay. So um, the guns were quite big. They were like a three-story system. Right. And every time you go and... Um, and do some training, you have to come back, take it all apart, clean it, put it back together. So the right. hands-on and the engineering side really, really appealed to me. So at the point of leaving the Navy, I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So uh, I was looking at different universities and different degrees and different courses. So I found this, um, this profile that um, Technical University Sophia put together with a German university. Mm. And they, had a, they were trying to solve a really interesting problem. They, they, you know, industrial companies, they had the managing directors and you know, often companies are run by accountants. Mm -hmm. So they would constantly look at how much thing costs, how can we drive costs down? Okay. And the engineers, they would only want to make the best out of everything and make sure it works properly. So you put those <laughs> two people in a room, you don't get a lot of consensus. So yeah. what they thought is why don't we come up with a profile and just come up with a degree that combines that skill set. Okay. Right. And I thought, well, that's brilliant for me because half of it is economics and management, the other half is engineering. Mm. And I'll get the degree and I'll work out what I want to do. And yeah. that's perfect for me. So I got to study robotics, electronics, mechanics, physics, chemistry, material science, but I also covered marketing, accounts, law, management, right. and all this. Okay. So the whole idea is that you end up with a specialist who has appreciation for both. So the engineer and the manager, and they can't don't have to argue anymore. <laughs> so okay. I didn't know it then, but that would be actually very, very useful for, for building my own business, actually. I was going to say, yeah, knowing a, a little bit what I do about your business now, which uh, I, I didn't mention at the beginning is Simple Design Works in, in Hereford. Uh, that kind of makes sense and, and looking at the way you're sort of approaching things. Well, it allowed me not to make a lot of mistakes. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I made a lot of mistakes, <laughs> but there were some obvious ones that yeah. uh, I managed to actually navigate around. So yeah, yeah, and just okay. put the right foundations. Okay, so yeah. you got the you got the degree, was it? Or I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, where did that? What did you decide to do with that afterwards? Leave the country. <laughs> <laughs> They've taught me well. <laughs> I did say to you, Dan, um, <laughs> I don't look like a guy with a plan, and um, and that's. That's very much the case with me. Um, I I was given the opportunity to leave the country and uh, and come to England for the summer. Right. Okay. And what I found really fascinating about this country was it was so easy to get into doing stuff. You know, there was there was all sorts of engineering companies, and if you wanted to try and get involved in, I don't know, welding or constructions or anything you fancied, it was quite easy to actually go and be a part of this. Right. Okay. So. 
at that point I hadn't finished my degree yet. There was another year okay. uh, left. So, but they gave you that option to actually postpone it for a couple of years if okay. you wanted to. Right. So I was meant to come in for, for three months, but um, there were so many opportunities. And because my course was more on the academic side and it was becoming quite apparent that it was the engineering actually and the problem solving mm. that excited me. I thought this would be brilliant. I can take a year and I can try all these things and get that experience. Yeah and see where that takes me. That would just basically allow me to form that vision of what I want to do. Okay. Right. And um, at the end of the year, unfortunately, I met someone and she ruined my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I talked about not having a plan, but uh, the plan was to go back. <laughs> so I got married and uh, that made it difficult to go back, yeah, even though yeah. that was still the plan for the next five years. Yeah. We were planning on going back to Bulgaria and we had a very specific vision of what we wanted to do. Right. We even bought a house back there, right. um, you know, furnished it nicely. It was ready to move in. It was <laughs> ready for the family. But um, we, at that point, my son was a couple of years old and okay. it, it just clicked. Um, you know, we love the community. We love what the county offers is a quality of life. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have all these activities you can do with your son, Everyone was so friendly and there were these pockets of social groups that we were kind of getting embedded in. Okay, right, and it yeah. just got to the point where it was like, I don't want to go back. It's, I'm happy here. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. 17 years later. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Interesting. All right. So you said about um, like feeling like there was more opportunity over here to get involved with sort of engineering companies. And I wouldn't say like more opportunities. So I think it was easier to, to actually easier. be a part of it. Um, okay, in what way? In a way that back home, if you wanted to do something, you had to be qualified, you, you had to have experience. And normally there was a lot of demand for these positions. So, right. uh, you know, it was difficult to get those opportunities. And, and I found myself here being with, you know, halfway through my degree mm -hmm. with limited experience. And just the demand was there. And there, there wasn't enough people who would right. happily go and do those kind of, those kind of jobs, I would suppose that I suppose that the the majority of the the youngsters in the county they have a different idea of what they want to do in life, and mm. um, and that's one of my biggest concerns about the county at the moment is the brain drain. You know, they leave, they go to uni, and never come back because the opportunities are not here. Right, okay. and we can come yeah. on to that, but we work very yeah. closely now with the local business community and with the with the council of creating these opportunities, and we came up with a couple of different yeah, cool. ideas that will allow us to do this, but. Um, I suppose engineering companies were finding it difficult to find people who would mm. be happy doing the work rather yeah, than it's yeah. a stepping stone. So yeah. it was really fascinating how easy it was. And you know, right. you speak to someone and they'll say, oh, do you want to come and try it for a couple of weeks and we'll see how, how we get on? And you think, really? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done it before. And it was, yeah, it was easy. Right, okay, yeah. interesting. How is it? Yeah, I remember when I was in engineering and there was always discussion around you know, not enough people being mm. encouraged into engineering at a young age yeah. and that sort of thing. So I guess it's the... Well, I don't think you should encourage people to do engineering. You either want to do it or not, because what you yeah, end up yeah. with is, unless you're doing something in your spare time, like building your own cider press or messing about with your car, or you can think of anything, but if you're not that hands-on person who spends his own time doing these projects, the likelihood is you'll never be a very good engineer. You can be an mm -hmm. okay engineer, mm -hmm. But if your interest is not there, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, when you grow up, are you the kind of person who throws things away or takes them apart and try and fixes them? You know, mm -hmm. which kind right. are you? And I think the people who, 
who would take things apart and fix them, they, they wouldn't need encouraging. And the other yeah. ones, they'll go into engineering because they didn't think of anything better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's, um, it depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, interesting. So um, it sounds like you've probably uh, asked some of those questions maybe when you're bringing people into your business as it is at the moment. Well, we work have out to... If True engineers or... <laughs> we have to because we have to work out, first of all, who we are as a business. Yeah. Second of all, what kind of level of service do we want to offer? Yeah. And third of all, what are the type of people you want in your team to be yeah. able to deliver yeah. that service? So, you know, fortunately, we, the team I've got is absolutely brilliant. I'm the luckiest person in the world. Yeah. Every single one of the, the team, regardless of whether they're a designer or an engineer or uh, marketing or regardless, there's a bunch of people there they're just simply amazing. Yeah, yeah. Personality-wise and skill set. That's great. So I think that's a bit of a coincidence. But yeah, we did put a lot of effort into trying to work out on what kind of person you want in your business. That can't be a coincidence. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, possibly. I've jumped the gun a little bit. Let's yep. go back <laughs> a little bit. So you're married, you've got a young young family, and you've yeah decided that you, you love it here and everything. Um, and But you haven't got a business at that point. No, I was kind of... I knew I wanted to do design, and I think the reason I liked that, I tried different things. I tried welding, I tried general fabrication. Um, I did loads of things. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was a case of, you still don't know what to do or what you want to do. And the only way to actually tell is to, to go and do these jobs and see what actually really, really excites you. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I could think of was actually the problem solving element, because yeah. in any one of those, you had to solve problems. And I found that um, creativity was something that just came easily to me. You know, my, if you presented me with a problem, regardless of what it was, my mind became like a highway of solutions. And it, it just came to me. I didn't have to work hard. Mm -hmm. Things would just start bubbling in your mind. Yeah. And then you work through the good ones and see which one's the best one. But that's when I realized, actually, this is what gives me that buzz. This is what makes me go home at the end of the, at the, end of the day and say, yeah, I've had a good day. Yeah, okay. So... What well, best in doing design? So I picked up a couple of cut packages, things we've done at uni. At that point, 3D modeling was becoming quite popular and exciting. Mm -hmm. So I, I looked at what the, the different packages are and I started doing some tutorials on, on YouTube and um, you know just getting uh, demo versions of the product and just messing about with things. Yeah. And then about talking about easy, I, I got in touch with a company who needed a cut person. I was very open and honest with my experience and right. where my skill set is. And I said, fine, come and join us. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so initially I started doing heat recovery ventilation systems. So we had to design airflows and the engineering background and the science behind things kind of helped. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, what kind of size pipe work do you want to avoid? either heat loss or noise and how are you going to run things, how are you going to connect the pipework and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it was fascinating, but it gave me the opportunity to actually get into the CAD modeling a lot more. And then I was, I went to see, him, to see a medical company and they, they needed people with my skill set. They were working on some pretty big pro projects and they invited me to the team. And okay. um, yeah, it just went on from there. Just kept going, just kept following what you, the bits you enjoyed and yeah. Uh, and, and sort of sniffing out the people that needed yeah, yeah, someone absolutely. That, that, that you do, to do what you enjoy doing kind of thing. Okay, excellent. All right. So then at some point along the way, uh, you, you, you're obviously enjoying your work and everything, but you decide, uh, actually, I'm going to 
I'm going to do this on my own. <laughs> Again, there was no big plan behind it. No, there was no, no, there was no preparation. There was nothing really. It's just um, you wake up one day and you think, do you know what? It feels right. I want to make that next step. Yeah. And um, I was at that point in my life where I was no longer afraid of things. It just, it just, I had that internal feeling of it doesn't matter what you do. Mm. Everything is going to be fine. You know, you can go and mess things up. Yeah. They can be a biblical failure, but all you've got to do is get another job after that. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. So why not go and try? Yeah. So there was an opportunity. I didn't go straight into it. There was an opportunity that I explored. Uh, explored. So um, a local business was doing a lot of work for Nissan and they needed to rethink their production line. Mm-hmm. The whole Infinity uh, range was going to be brought in Sunderland. Right, okay. And that specific part of the process, they had five conveyor belts where they handled all the different parts for the different cars. But of course, the Infinity had to be built slower and better. So um, we had to take three of those, two of those lines and just completely rethink of how everything is handled. And they had a concept which we worked, we worked on, we refined it and refined it. And after the first 18 months, actually, it became answer so we ended up redoing the whole production line so even right. the other vehicles are now using the same the same principle okay it saved cost it made it easier for the for the guys on the shop floor and it, it produced better quality results but basically going back I, I was able to actually do part-time you know I get back from work and work through the night and three o'clock in the morning you think oh I've got, okay. <laughs> got to get some sleep now because you know <laughs> I'm not gonna be the freshest person in the morning so I did this for a couple of months that's where my weekends went yeah and then just like your story, you look at the numbers and um, you think this is actually feasible. And yeah, um, yeah. you think I'll, I'll give it a try. So I bought the software, I bought a computer, a laptop. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to give my focus on, in, just just focus purely on doing that. Because I think when you go on your own, you need motivation. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what better than the fear? <laughs> How <laughs> yeah, am I yeah. going to pay the mortgage at the end of work now. Absolutely. So there was no excuses. You know, you work in an environment, you, you always see things you don't like. And you think, well, if I could do it better, I'd do it this way and it would definitely work. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those moments where you say, actually, you said a lot over the years, it's now time to see where you are. Can you put your money where your mouth is? Can right, you make okay, it work? Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing how much you start appreciating the the things people do in previous lives and the, you know how they go about things and you see the motivation and say, Yeah, that's actually it was not unreasonable. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So So this is uh what's this about seven or eight years ago? Roughly? Well that was in twenty fourteen. Okay. So yeah, we're we're gonna be six and a half very soon. So. Right, okay. So it starts off uh is it called Simple Design Works at that stage? I, or yeah, is it just yeah. Christos? I actually called it that straight away. When it, well, when I decided to do it, I said, you're going to go and commit now and you're going yeah. to do it. So I, I got that registered from day one. Okay. Even right. though I was not turning anywhere near. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to give myself, I'm going to set up as a limited company. Yeah. And I'm going to give it a good name. So okay. yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah. what do you believe in? And obviously, you know, design is my thing. Yeah. But for me, it was always about taking a design solution and not just getting it to work, but pushing it that, that much further. Mm-hmm finding the most elegant solution, finding the solution that works with less parts in mm-hmm. a more reliable way, in less ways to go wrong. You know, um, there was an Einstein quote that inspired me at the time. And actually, this is the third time this week that I have to quote this. And it's actually <laughs> shocking that I, I can't quote precisely the quote I based the company name on. Yeah. But basically, the best design is the one that's the simplest and the, 
and works the best. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, it required a lot of skill to actually take something from work into, oh, this is just beautiful and subtle yeah. and clean. And, <laughs> and that's what I want. And that's why I call the company Simple Design Works. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That sort of refinement process, which is the hardest. Exactly. But yeah, yeah I heard someone talking about uh, writing, I think, in that term as well. Like it's, it's easier to write a sort of 10,000 page, a uh, 10,000 word book than it is to write a, you know, 1,000 word yeah. book because you have to refine it down. How so do you much. get the whole message in less? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so we start off, we've got, we've got you on your laptop that you've now bought and, uh, yeah. You're getting clients coming in, presumably. You're going out getting them. and Well, I was quite comfortable initially. That's one of the mistakes I made. I, I got yeah. very comfortable with this Nissan thing because right. that kept me busy for six or seven months. And I thought, there's no need to look for more. Okay. I'm doing 16 hard days anyway. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then again, with these big projects, you get to the point where you hit these pauses because you mm -hmm. know the design needs to be taken to Japan. It needs to be validated. Prototypes need to be built. It takes a couple of months. Yeah. So you wake up one morning and you think, wow, I have nothing to do. <laughs> what now? <Yeah. laughs> so <clears throat> I, I had some uh, you know, people I know around Rotherworth, so I got in touch with a few businesses. Um, I got my LinkedIn account going, so I started okay. getting in touch with and reaching out to people. Yeah. And before long, it was, I did have a couple of quiet months, mm -hmm. which gave me the fear um, <laughs> even more <laughs> talking yeah. about that motivation. But um, I wasn't going to give up. Um, I knew two things were going to happen to me within that period. And I said, if you're strong enough and if you really want to do this, you've got to push through those things. Yeah. The first thing is you're going to go quiet and you're going to have nothing to do. And within that period, the second thing will happen. Somebody would offer you a really good job, yeah. <laughs> uh, which did happen. So I was yeah. offered a position um, which was very well paid. And considering I made nothing for the last couple of months, it was very tempting. Yeah, yeah. But I stuck to my guns and I said no. Okay, so you were offered a full-time yeah. job in a, in, a, in a business. Okay. Yeah. Quite an exciting company as well. But <laughs> I said, no, I'm doing this. I'm just going to commit. So wow. I carried on. Um, I'm not sure my wife agreed at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then so. again, I knew better, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, after that, basically, some of these um, emails and phone calls started to um, to pay back. And I was invited by a few people to discuss a few projects. Okay. I was given the opportunity to support local businesses, which is something I feel very passionate about. I love the local community and the local business community. Mm -hmm. So uh, things got exciting, exciting because I was busy again and I had all these yeah. jobs and the variety was different. I would work with Carpigiani, for example, on their ice cream machines, or right, yeah. um, I would do uh, work with ATN on their night vision scopes. So, uh, there was all sorts of opportunities. And then the next big thing happened. Nissan got back and said, <laughs> we're ready to move on. <laughs> so I couldn't clone myself. I couldn't think of a machine that does that quickly enough. And I realized you're either going to have to grow now or you're going to have to say to a few people, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm just going to mm. have to stay with these jobs and I can't do any more. Yeah. And the bottom line was I like the variety. I, I really like the the, the kind of diversity of the problems you have to solve mm -hmm. because it pushed you, you don't, you, with, with the Nissan job, you kind of defined the, uh, the DNA of the solution and it's just kind of working through different versions of that and make it applicable to other bits and pieces you're doing. Mm -hmm. But having four or five clients, that was so much more exciting because they had different time scales, they had different requirements yeah. and they have a different criteria you judge 
the design against. So from my point of view, I couldn't get comfortable, which is important to me. You know, mm-hmm. I had to get up and put a different hat on and think, oh, where were we? You know, what, <laughs> I've got to rewind now and just gear up again yeah. and get that thinking going in order to come up with something. So, yeah, that was the biggest decision was to employ my first person. And that, that is the hardest thing to do in a business, I think. Yeah. Because you go from self-employed to having to think of health and safety, HR, procedures, documentation. Right, yeah. Buy the kit. And when you buy when you buy the computers and you have all the equipment and the software, that's a lot of cost. Mm. Mm. You don't think invoices twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually invoice less than one person because you, you're there training someone half the time yeah. or checking what they've done yeah. or fixing stuff. Mm. So pushing through that was interesting. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. You suddenly go from uh, not just doing the work, but uh, this this new role of yeah. you know, of managing somebody and, and everything. Were you comfortable with that? Or? No. no okay. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I wasn't comfortable. Yeah, well, that's, I was never com- that's, comfortable with anything I did, really. No, I was going to say, that's, that's If it made me comfortable, thing. then it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you took the challenge on, though. Absolutely. Knowing that it had to be done, and it yeah. was... I hired an office in Rotherwas, I bought the computer, I bought the software mm-hmm. and did all the things I had to do and I hired my first employee. Okay, okay. And uh, how was it sort of finding that first person? Because a lot of the time from what I've seen and what goes through my mind is that it's, you know, like how can somebody else do the same job that I'm, you know, up to my amazing standards or whatever. Was that ever a... A problem or did you kind of, you well, know, how did you go through that process? It was a problem because the concept of hiring the person who can do the job as well as you is completely wrong. It's okay. a little bit like having two directors in a business that agree on, on everything. You don't need one of them. Okay. You know, you should find a person that complements your skills, not the person that actually does it as well as you. Okay, right. So my right. thinking was completely different. I didn't yeah. actually hire an engineer. Uh, I hired a product designer. And the reason I did that was obviously the quiet quite period experience. I thought you need to take the bucket approach, which is you put a lot of buckets out there and some of them will fill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't have a quiet period again because your costs have gone up now and you can't afford yeah. to have a quiet period. So my view is I can actually develop the local business and the engineering jobs and do all that myself. But if I hire a product designer, we get a person who actually does styling, who works mm-hmm. on the user experience, on the user interaction element. Um, they can do a little bit of branding. Um, right, okay. and, and yeah. It's just that different skill set that allows me to actually start pitching for different jobs. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. what the first thing I did then was uh, we built a website mm. and we started working on, on projects that we were able to put on the website and then we looked into advertising our services. And the beauty of this was you didn't have to stay local, you could go nationwide. Yeah, yeah. So sure. that gave us access to a lot of different businesses far away from us, and um, that was absolutely fine. So initially, a very small percentage of the product development work we, we do was actually product design. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, it's about 95%. So it's completely gone the other way. Right. I always thought we're going to grow up as an engineering firm. Okay, right. But we didn't, we, we kind of developed as a product design consult- consultancy, okay. which I'm really happy with because the engineering is almost like a, a small part of it. Mm. You can get mm. something to work, but can you get it to sell? Yeah. And yeah, what sure. do you need to do there? And we, we're excited about what, what really makes a difference to us and our clients is when you actually give them something that moves their business forward. Yeah. So commercializing a product 
well, a good design doesn't give you a commercially successful product. Yeah, you've got to yeah. brand it well, you've got to sell it well, you've got to, there's all sorts yeah. of things you've got to do. You've yeah. got to get the pricing and the manufacturing right. So in a way, I'm really happy that we took that approach because that committed us to the bigger picture. You know, you can't shelter yourself and say, I do brilliant engineering that never goes anywhere. Yeah. It kind of forces <laughs> you to say, well, we're going to create all the right relationships and all the, the right connections to help you as a business launch a successful product, not a well-engineered yeah. one. Yeah. So from that point of view, that offered a lot of challenges and a lot more excitement. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I guess whether it was deliberate or not, it's kind of, <laughs> he's shaking his head. <laughs> it's kind of, um, you know, if you'd have gone more focused on the engineering, that would have been, meant, you know, when, when you've got that one employer who's into product design, that would have meant you doing more of the work and therefore not being able, maybe as focused on sort of growing the business and the, the wider picture. But by shifting the emphasis over onto the product design, you've got someone that can do that and you can focus on, the running the business aspect, I suppose. That was the thinking, but I think my education actually in the whole economics and management side of things allowed me to approach this the right way. I think I looked at it backwards. I said, okay. five years or 20 years from now, who do you want to be? What do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to be known for is helping businesses get better. Okay. That, yeah. that was as simple as that. So cool. it then worked backwards. Well, what's useful for a business? I mm. could have taken the approach, this is my skill set, that's what I sell. I yeah. need to go and find people that want to buy that and just do it this way. Yeah. But I didn't. I, mm. The way I thought I'm going to approach this, I'm going to find that service in that space you want to occupy and then work out what are the different services and the different skills you need to have as a business to be able to deliver that. Mm-hmm. And then knowing what the bigger picture looks like how can you stage this process? What are the next skills that you're going to introduce to the business? How are you going to structure right, your team? Yeah. What are the ratios? Yeah. You know, is there is there any point having styling people when you when you haven't got an engineer that can make it work? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started building that picture of what the team was going to look like even before I employed my first my first employee. Oh wow. Okay. Um, which was yeah, I, I definitely say working backwards is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, it just allows you to see that structure and what comes. Um, seeing what, what comes and what's next allow you to prepare. Yeah, okay, good. So early days, you know, not many companies our side, which is, I think it was four or five people mm. at the time. We went for ISO 9001, we got fully certified, we got yeah. our systems in place, we got our procedures in place, the documentation, and we had, you know, we had someone to do that. and. Um, mm-hmm that just gives you that foundation to scale up mm-hmm. because where a lot of businesses fall, fall down is when they get bigger, they're not ready for being bigger right? Okay. and they're having to yeah. go back and play catch up. Okay. But now we have the overheads and instead of selling that capacity, you're actually fixing problems. Yeah, so okay. I knew I wasn't okay. going to be that person. Right, we were okay. going to be the business that is ready to be three times the size mm-hmm. and would still be comfortable. Okay. So yeah, putting all those processes in place yeah. so that as you bring someone in, you can, essentially kind of plug them into those processes Absolutely, and, yeah. uh, and, and it all works. Uh-huh. Okay, I see I'm going to get some really good takeaways from this <laughs> conversation and go away and start drawing some some, some of my own diagrams. And, it's and it's always up. good to do it. I mean, these brainstorm session, sessions with yourself, they're really useful. And yeah. It's actually good to get people who you consider um, relevant to that industry or the skill set you need next, I think get mm-hmm. their opinion as well. Just just mm-hmm. have a chat. Um, yeah, I was going to say, have you had 
uh, mentors throughout and, and that kind of thing, or as informal mentors? Or? Uh, informally, yes. I worked with a guy who um, came out of the special forces. He was one of the officers, and uh, right. he, I really liked him. He was actually a client, but mm -hmm. we built a very close relationship. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he ever understood that he was actually mentoring me at the time. But right, I took yeah. a lot from him. Yeah, and I'm yeah. really, really grateful. Yeah. Um, he, after leaving the special forces, he went to uni, he did his MBA and got qualified and started his own business. And at the time he was actually asked by a big American corporation to, to get the UK operations going. So he was, he was a really, he still is a very impressive guy, really, yeah. really impressive guy. But his mindset, the way he thought, the way he, his confidence, he gave me so much confidence to do things. Right, okay. I learned a lot from him. Yeah. And we kept after, basically, he moved on to other things and I started developing my business, but we actually stayed in touch and we catch up every now and again. Not oh, as often cool. as I'd like, but yeah. uh, we do catch up uh, every now and again and there's a lot of respect, mutual respect. But yeah, I definitely say business coaching is a, is a main thing, um, you know, for any startup business. I do have a coach now, yeah. someone a lot more professional, right. someone a lot bigger. Okay. And we started this two or three months ago because okay. we have some extremely ambitious plans yeah <laughs> uh, and i'm gonna i'm gonna have to get my game together so yeah yeah um, well it's it's important isn't it I'm, I think under, to... I'm under a big magnifying glass at the moment <laughs> and i'm being told <laughs> what to do and what not to do and in a very constructive way you know yeah yeah of course and also, i don't believe in criticism i believe in feedback and if you want to be if you want to go somewhere then you're going to be able to adjust and move and grow with with the journey so yeah i know i do a lot a lot of mistakes we make a lot of mistakes i do things wrong but I don't do them wrong twice. And I'm, you know, mm. I always listen to the team and when I'm given the feedback, I just go away yeah. and analyze and, and come back better. Yeah, okay. So I've got a ton of questions going through my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm encouraged to, uh, about what you said about, um, you know, that you, you just like seeing other businesses succeed. Cause I think uh, we probably share that, that view. Like what I love about doing what I do is actually, you know, when, when I, people a video or, or photos and it actually helps grow their business they you know they say they've had a load of inquiries through because of that work and uh, that's what that's what gives me the greatest pleasure and that's probably why I'm doing stuff like this and not just taking pictures which is probably what I should be doing but this is, <laughs> <laughs> this is fun so uh, that's cool um, now I've forgotten what I was gonna say now but um, <laughs> yeah well I tell, tell me a bit more about that and how that's kind of um, well, I, shaped you. Well, the business model was a. Early on, I had this vision of not developing a business, but developing a community. Okay. Um, so, I, as I explained already, the the whole idea was that what we end up with is we end up with a setup that actually allows businesses to come to you, mm -hmm. and get better and get more successful mm -hmm. and achieve something. So, I realized, as I said earlier, you know, having a good design doesn't mean you have a successful product. If your manufacturing cost is too high because you're not talking to the right companies, or if your batch sizes even, you know, if you're freezing too much money in, in stock rather than finding a more flexible supplier that allows you to stay on top of your cash flow, you know, if your branding's wrong, if your packaging is wrong, if your intellectual property, I mean, have you protected your idea? Mm. Um, are you claiming on back on R&D tax relief? Who is promoting your product? All yeah. these things, they were big question marks. and. The first mistake we made is we tried to do it all in-house because we thought that's the answer. Okay, you know? right. We're gonna go and hire all these people and they're gonna do it well. But that's a stupid mistake to make. It's right. a good one as well. 
yeah. if you can learn from it. But unless you employ 60, 70 people, you can never <laughs> be that agency. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't focus and the quality of your work actually deteriorates. Yeah. You should yeah. be doing one thing and you should be doing it really, really well. Mm. So after trying to do a few things uh, and producing results just about on the right side of average, I thought, wow, this is not where I wanted to go. <laughs> so what's the other way of doing it? Yeah. And the other way of doing it is finding the best companies that kind of match your mindset. They they really know their stuff, but they're also easy to talk to. Mm -hmm. They have this down-to-earth attitude mm -hmm. and they genuinely care about your clients. So not, oh, you, you know, you can't pay the invoice. No, it doesn't matter. You know, we're all up, we're all up our sleeves. We come mm -hmm. and sort it with you. Mm -hmm. And if we can't, if you can't pay us, then you can't pay us. But, you know, we are... We are working with a client as a small family and their problems are our problems. And when things are bad, they're bad for us as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, but we don't, we, we don't move away from that commitment. So mm -hmm. we worked very hard and found these exciting companies and we're now working very close with a number of them. Uh, the first people we got really excited about, uh, a company called Barker Brutel in Birmingham. Okay. Yeah. They're one of the biggest IP firms in the country. They employ close to 150 solicitors and they have yeah. offices in three cities and three countries. But about three cities in England, in yeah. England alone. So we went to see them and said, well, you know, our clients are asking for protection and we, we, we've been thinking about this and we think actually it's more beneficial to design and protect at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because if you end up with a patent application on your desk, you need to design within those restrictions. And at the same time, if you come up with an idea, well, the IP person needs to know about it because there'll be four ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. And if you can put that in your application, then you have a more robust protection. So okay, they absolutely yeah. love the concept and we formed a really strong relationship with them. Okay, so um, you're doing that concurrently. Is that what you mean? Like as you're yeah. designing it, you're talking yeah. to them rather than you design something and then you go to them afterwards and say... Well, absolutely. If you come up with an invention <laughs> done, what are you interested in? Are you interested in launching your product? Yeah. Of course you are. And you yeah. want to make that business a commercially successful one so you have money to develop Mark II, Mark III. Mm. Well, how are you going to do that if you leave the door open and your competitors can say, well, I can actually do it this way as well. Mm. And within mm. five minutes, they launch a product that goes around your intellectual property and does the same thing. Yeah, yeah That's not yeah. good for the client. So our commitment was, it's not good enough to get a patent. How mm. do we get to the point where your patent is really worth a lot? Mm -hmm. So the only way we could think of doing it is actually doing the conceptual development and the, the whole development process parallel to drafting the application. Mm -hmm. okay. We would go to the IP team and say, there's four ways of doing it. Four, um, four ways, you know, one of them is good, the other three are bad. Make sure they go in the patent application anyway. Yeah, right. You don't yeah. have to patent stuff you're going to use. Yeah. You know, we, Philip Morris, for example, we had to design a product that was in competition with them and we found that on one concept, they had over 3,100 patents in place on stuff they never intended to use. Right. <laughs> so it gets silly when you go yeah, to corporate yeah. <laughs> level, but the bottom line is this is the value of it. You know, yeah. if you work with an IP attorney, they, they can say to you, looking at what's out there, this is the protectable feature, emphasize it as much as you can. Yeah, and at yeah. the same time, we can give them the, the other ways of achieving that product. So basically the client gets kind of a better monopoly on the market for longer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always ways around things, but you know, you're in, the core part of the application would be, you know, no one can touch that. Mm -hmm. The more you can restrict businesses outside that, the better mm -hmm. for the business. So we worked very closely and we developed this really strong relationship and um, this process that gives, makes us really efficient. So yeah. from the client's point of view, they're, they're not stuck in the middle answering technical questions and just 
or ask the designer what how how do we do this and then the the, the design team saying well, we'll ask your IP people about this they're not playing Chinese whispers and it's basically us in the IP team sitting down together working it out <laughs> efficiently and giving the client the most uh, yeah. beneficial process and then we said well this is great you know this really works for our clients so the, the feedback we had from Barker Bertel is people were happier because they were getting better results yeah and sure. I can see our designs and I can see well this is going to be difficult to compete with so um <laughs> We thought, well, how do we replicate? What are the different subjects? How do we replicate that across the board? So, uh, you know, we teamed up with a, with a manufacturing network called GTMA. We, right. We're members, so manufacturing is a big part of it. We pay yeah. a membership. When we finish the design, we introduce them to GTMA. They pick them up and uh, pick the client up and say, we can introduce you to as many supplies you like. I think they have thousands mm. of the supplies in the UK alone. Yeah, and if you don't like these guys, we introduce it to other people. Yeah, but the bottom line is the client was getting that service for free because yeah. GTMA would charge us the fee. Mm -hmm. From our point of view, this was fantastic because we can give access to uh, the, the client access to this mm -hmm. pool of manufacturing businesses. Yeah, yeah, and you get a recommendation, and it's not like going cold into a business not knowing what they're like. There's accountability. Yeah. There's, you know, people know you that you've got to maintain mm -hmm. your name. So. That works really well. We then teamed up with um, with a company that designed the tax relief. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the, comp the government is allowing two hundred and thirty percent tax relief on the on your R and D cost. So that could be internal cost, or yeah. it could be our fees. So if you can get quarter of our fees, you know, cash in your pocket at the end of this process, then that helps you spend it on marketing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. it just it just yeah. adds to that ability of making the product commercially successful. Yeah, and it adds to the value of what you're offering because you're offering, you know, access to this whole package well, of people, the trusted people. Exactly, and it's the same with branding. We work with a very exciting branding company. We work with a very exciting company that does promotion in photography and videography. <laughs> you may have heard of them. Um, but the bottom line is, it's when a client comes to you and they're happy with the design and they're happy with the dynamics of the team and how things mm -hmm. work out they can go and use these other businesses yeah. uh, with the confidence that they've actually been through our scrutiny and they are mm. up to that level. Yeah, yeah. So the feedback we have from clients is the convenience and the it's, it's just fun doing it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's overall, the commitment is there because when you, when you design with Simple Design Works, the commitment is to get your product successful, not to give you a good design. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah. It's bigger than just the design, isn't it? It's that's what people that's what people want. I, yeah, yeah. I I don't believe people need product design. They Google that and that's come up. But it's like drill bits. Nobody wants a drill bit. People just want a hole in the wall exactly. so they can hang their picture. So why why selling drill bits? Why providing that? Yeah. Forget about the selling part. It's what excites you. What excites me personally. That's why I do it. It's seeing businesses do well, coming yeah. up with innovative solutions, innovative product and doing new things and the only way to deliver that is actually to team up and create that network yeah of good business you to sort of focus on you you know yeah. what you're good at and yeah. um and, I, and let those guys focus absolutely on anything short of that i see is lack of commitment yeah 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 nice. it's basically there's your design you sort it out you know good luck that's not <laughs> who we are we want to help we want to get you there yeah yeah okay okay well yeah i've seen you know over the course of this year you've obviously taken on uh, several members of staff, which has uh, been really exciting to see and, and grown in the right direction and everything. We are, uh, we are. Cool. We, uh, a couple of years ago, or was it last year actually, we made it as finalists uh, to the Chamber Awards for High Growth Business of the Year. Okay, right. We also work very closely with um, 
with the new university in Hereford and MIT, oh, yeah. which is a brilliant organization, a yeah. fantastic new approach to education. We feel very passionate about how they do it uh -huh. because their formula is fantastic, but we're going to be one of the champions um, mm. from the 95 partners. So we feel very privileged cool. to be a part of, uh, of what they do. Excellent. And we also take part in the local business community. We're on the Strong Town Fund um, mm -hmm. board and we work as much as possible with the local LEP and mm -hmm. all, sorts, all sorts of businesses. And we feel very, you know, as I said, very passionate about young people and developing the county and actually keep smart people in the county. Mm. This is really important to us. So we've had a good, a, a good couple of ideas that we've pushed through different channels and they're very well received. So hopefully we're going we're gonna to start coming up with this community projects right. um, scheme from next year and just do things that benefit the county. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we okay. want people to, people going here, they're proud to be from Herefordshire and, yeah. and yeah. you know, they shouldn't have to go away unless they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Cool. And um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because um, I think that sort of the customer experience, as we've talked about for you, is you know important and com being committed to it. But the kind of the kind of day to day customer service and everything it strikes me that that's important to you and and the business. Because I mean, you know, I've I've worked with you, and obviously I'm not a customer, but I've seen. You know the communication and everything is is amazing. You know <laughs> the the kind of briefs that I get sent uh, uh, are just detailed, and you know I always get replies back very quickly. And I imagine on the client side, it's like uh, you know pretty good. Is that a conscious it, it thing? Is, <laughs> it is a very conscious thing. I think um, where that comes from is actually designing is fun. You mm -hmm. know, it's important to your business. It's it's a skillful job and you've got to have the right skill set and the right experience Yeah, and you've got to do it right. But the bottom line is regardless of how complex and how, you know, how difficult it could be at times, it's really, really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think it's only fair enough that our clients enjoy this with us. Yeah. yeah. We, we want to create that experience where, I mean, at the end of the day, if you came, if you came to us with a product or idea, yeah. This is your baby, you know, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. thought about this, you know, you had some sleepless nights, you got excited about <laughs> it, then you, you hit a place where things are not looking likely and you think, oh, I don't want to give up on it, you know, what do I do, what do I do? <laughs> so you go through that emotional roller coaster. but the bottom line is, this is your baby, you know, mm. this is the future of your business. Why yeah. should somebody take that process away from you, yeah. do it for you and give you the end result? Okay, yeah, yeah. Is it not more beneficial that actually you work with us, you have fun, we keep you as involved as you want to be yeah, and then leave you at the point where you have that successful commercially successful product, but also you have a very good understanding of how to do the next one mm -hmm. and what the next version looks like, mm -hmm. okay. you know? So what so, you're saying is the communication throughout the project is a conscious decision in terms of making sure that they're... Well, it's not only the constant, it's, it's actually, if you look at the product, when we do a conceptual stage, we break that down into three or four different sub-stages. So initially we send basic ideas or rough ideas and it could be 20 of them jotted down on a piece of paper mm -hmm. and we get together with the client and just burn through the different options yeah and that's where you actually start combining things and say well i like that but it's not me this is going to be yeah. useful can we put it on that concept and then you take that feedback you do a bit more work and you refine it into four or five you know very well fleshed out concepts and you, mm -hmm. you get together again and you can dismiss a couple you can say that's going to be another product but i'm going to do it next year I really yeah. like that, move that feature again. And it's that kind of process you want to be going through. You don't want to be taking the process away from the client. I think at the end mm -hmm. of the day, that's their business. 
and mm. it's like introducing them to a new supplier and not inviting them to the handover you know mm. Mm. you've got to build that relationship you're going to work with this company you've got to do it we'll be there to help you and answer technical questions but you've got to yeah. do it and it's the same with the, the product development this is your product this is your baby you need to know as much as we do yeah so the way we structure the process it's it's really involved from the client's point of view but also the comms we have a project manager who after every minute uh, meeting will email the meetings who will also give you an update update twice a week or asking right. questions and check how you feeling about the process is there anything you want to add to it or change mm. um, we just try to basically create an experience that allows us to utilize our skill set and expertise and deliver that in an enjoyable for the client way yeah, I love that about it being enjoyable and uh, I almost wish we were doing a video podcast then because when you started talking about that, it was like I could see, <laughs> you know, how much you love it and, uh, and and want everyone to experience the enjoyment of it. So well, that's, well, the that's beauty cool. of this is, the beauty of this is it works for the team as well because when yeah. you love what you do, you don't get the Sunday night feeling and yeah, you actually yeah. don't feel like you have to go to work in the morning and just go and have fun. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's company morale, it's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. Well, that's been... Uh, a very interesting chat. Thank you. Where's the best place for people to find you? Your website is simpledesignworks.co.uk. You're on LinkedIn, you mentioned. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and all the social medias. But the best, the best place to find us is um, Aubrey Street in Hereford. Okay. Knock on our door. We make a lovely <laughs> cup of coffee. And even if you haven't got something that you, you're ready to develop or you're just thinking of something, just pop in. We're a very friendly bunch of people. We'd love to make you a copy and copy and have a chat. And I'll add to that that you've got very nice offices as well. Yes, we do. <laughs> we're very fortunate to be. Pretty cool, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, okay. Excellent. Thank you so much, Christo, for coming in. It's been uh, great fun. And um, we should do this again maybe in a few months' time. Thank you very much uh, for having me. You've recovered. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Cheers, Dan. Thank Take you. Care. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.